My name is Michael Jardy, and today you join us for one of our Queen's University Student Union election interviews. Uh, today I'm joined by one of our candidates for VP postgrad, Miss Jessica Lawrence. Hello, Michael. Hi, Jessica. Um, that was a weird introduction. That was very that strange. That was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. Very formal. Um, but Jess is here today to talk to us a bit about her manifesto, uh, tell us a bit about herself, and why you, the student body, should consider giving her your vote on the 24th and 25th of February. Smashed it. Smashed it. Wasn't that class introduction? It was a great introduction after three takes. It's great. Well, now you've broken the fourth wall and everybody knows <laughs> that it took me three goes to start this podcast. But Jess, um, while you and me may be familiar, we may know each other, mm-hmm. why don't you tell everyone a bit about yourself? Tell us, you know, um, what you're doing at uni, a bit about your past, your involvement, like extracurricular activities. What makes you... Tell us a bit about yourself, because we want to know a bit about you. Cool. Um, so, yeah, my name is Jess. I am a current postgraduate student here at Queen's. I'm currently studying a master's postgraduate taught in media and broadcast production. It's pretty much in its infancy at the moment. Um, it was designed two years ago as a course that kind of stemmed from broadcast literacy with a lot more practical elements. Um, but I didn't just come to Queen's this year. I have been a student at Queen's since 2015. Um, believe it or not, um, I done my undergrad in politics um, because I wanted to be a journalist, which is not where. Is that is that going to change now? <laughs> it's kind of yeah. I feel like everyone coming into university has this thing like, oh, I want to be, I want to go and do law and be a hot, like a hotshot barrister, and everyone gets the third year and like, I'd like to survive and <laughs> I would like to have enough money for, at the end of the go for maybe a big sleep after graduation. Yeah, nice. a big sleep, a big pint, yes. um, in that order probably. So, what else have you done outside of university? Yeah, so um, going back to first year at Queen's, um, I was pretty much brand new to Belfast. Um, I came from Newcastle County Down, beautiful, beautiful seaside town. Um, unfortunately, don't live there anymore, which is um, beyond my control. Um, but um, yeah, I come from Newcastle, um, decided to come to Queen's after my own kind of... Um, I, didn't, I didn't want to come to Queen's which I think is, is the most interesting thing about me. Um, I applied kind of because my career teacher told me I would be very good for Queen Scholars. Um, and I said, you know what? I would love some money off my tuition. Yeah, I'll apply for it. And the only catch was I had to make Queen's my first choice. And then um, made Queen's my first choice, applied, done a video interview for it, and did not get invited for further interviews. So I was stuck then with... Um, Queen's is my first choice. Um, I had an unconditional offer in University of Salford to go and pursue um, broadcast journalism, which is what I really wanted to do. Um, and then results day came, and I think I had like a the opposite story of all my friends. This is all relevant, by the way. I'm not just rambling. Um, <laughs> I was going to try. Let's get back on topic. But can we just get yeah. back on topic for your? <laughs> election so you're, thing, you, please? you get an offer. You you, you apply offer, for yeah, Salford. Offer offer, and then wake up and results day had the opposite effect. Or I had the opposite story to all of my friends where I actually got into I actually got into university. Um, I got into Queens, I got I got more I got better than my expected grades, which was great for me and great for my self confidence. Um, but absolutely shocking because I didn't I didn't really want to go. So um, that's gonna be in the background of <laughs> the jingling. It's fine. It's fine, don't worry about it. Um yeah, no, so um, came to Queen's 2015, decided, you know what, I'll do my undergrad, then I'll go on and do a postgrad in journalism. Um, that was kind of always the natural b- introduction for me anyway, was to go and do a postgrad. 
Um, so I came to university pretty much on my own. I didn't really have any friends here um, because none of my friends got into university. Um, so I moved into Elms. Um, made a few friends there. Um, one of them who I knew from primary school, which was great, my friend Anna. Um, and then the problem I think that a lot of students have, especially arts and humanities students, because the contact hours are so low, um, making friends is exceptionally hard. Um, unless you already know people that are in Belfast. Um, so I kind of spent my time at university just kind of dabbling, sticking my fingers into as many pies as I possibly could um, with things that interested me. So one thing that I'd done in first year was I became the course representative um, for Politics BA. So I represented all of the first year politics students at the SSCCs, which is the staff, staff student consultative committee, <laughs> um, if I can say that right with my lisp. Um, yeah, so I went and represented them at that. Um, that was kind of my first kind of dabble into SU and politics and stuff like that. Um, then I went on the second year. I had been a part of a society called Sexpression. Don't know if anyone remembers it. Um, it's it's dead now, but um, unfortunately for the for the time that it was, I was treasurer of it, and I loved it because I felt like I was giving something back. Um, it was a society pretty much where people went on and. Um, they provided sex education for free in um, a lot of high schools around Belfast. So I felt like I was giving something back. Um, didn't do course rep that year because I didn't really want to, but um, I became a peer mentor because like, my whole motto in life pretty much is if I can change something for one person, then that's good enough for me. Um, so I didn't want someone having the same bad experiences I had in first year. So I went on to mentor a bunch of first year politics students, which I absolutely loved and then kept that on for third year as well. Um, so the the lesson wasn't really learnt when I went into third year then. Um, I became more involved with Queen's Radio because I was obviously interested in journalism and stuff. Um, became interested in that around second year and then decided to become part of the committee because I enjoyed the life of a society member um, and wanted to get more involved and kind of give my commitment to it a bit more. Um, so became treasurer of Queen's Radio in third year um, also decided then that I wanted to run for SU Council, which is something that I hadn't really done before, um, but I'd seen a lot of my friends do it before, um, like Colette McAllister. She was, um, I had met her a few years previous, um, and she was doing great things on SU Council. She really inspired me to run for it. Um, and then um, I also was involved in peer mentoring um, and a ton of other things, which left me kind of putting my degree to the back burner. Um, but I ended up getting um, a pretty good, pretty good degree, if I do say so myself. I'm very proud of myself <laughs> when I graduated. Um, and then, yeah, the, what what kind of led me on then was um, I was then again again stuck in this dilemma where I didn't really want to go back to Queens for my postgraduate. Um, I kind of decided that time of my life was over and I wanted to give it up. Um, so I looked around for other universities and again I wanted to apply for Salford um, and a few things stopped me which is relevant to why I'm running and um, the biggest thing was um, finances I couldn't afford it um, I have wanted to pursue journalism my whole life um, and it was a university which would have got me uh, an accredited journalism degree and I just simply could not afford it so I took a year out to try and afford it and trying to find a graduate job with a politics degree is not the easiest thing in the well, world, like, world. I, I've been there and I totally <laughs> understand it's it's uh, yeah it's yeah. awful out there yeah it is it is really bad I thankfully found a, a job that I loved um 
was able to keep it on full-time for two months and then I moved on to part-time work which was great for me and it worked around my schedule because I kept Queen's Radio on for another year and so I still tied to the union in some way even when I was not a student Um, and then basically what drew me back was finances I couldn't afford um, after going part-time I couldn't afford to go to England I couldn't afford the extra money that would have been for tuition fees I couldn't afford um, living expenses um and ultimately i kind of looked at my options around me decided that journalism in a written sense wasn't really for me it was more about broadcast and i really enjoyed the production side of queen's radio so i decided um to apply for the new de- newly developed course here uh, media and broadcast production and um, so i came back here uh <laughs> this year has been ridiculous um just trying to involve myself with everything because um, you know you want to leave university as a graduate as a postgraduate especially as a, a fully developed human um, and having as many ex- extracurricular activities on your CV is probably the best thing for you to get a part-time job so. very good um, let's move on to a bit about your manifesto um, I know you had been like like most of most of people most people have been thinking about running for um sabbatical rules especially the full-time guys have been thinking a lot about their um their manifesto and and what's really going to form the 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 core parts of it Mm -hmm. um i know you have like sort of four or five main points here i want to give you some time to to talk about this in in what is a really relatively short interview so um let's touch on your first point you've talked about wanting to reform exceptional exceptional circumstance system um at queen's um tell us about why that's important to you and what you want to specifically do yeah um so basically my manifesto is pretty much based on the experiences that i've had at queens and the experiences that other other students have had um as course rep i've been able to gather them all up um and kind of really inform this manifesto and one of the key things that kind of stood out to me was um exceptional circumstances um now there's a system at queens um which really isn't uh you know present in other universities really this um strange rigid system is um you know queens give you the opportunity if you know you face difficulties in your life uh, whether that be a death in the family you know chronic illnesses whatever and they give you the opportunity to um have extensions and in a way um and then have that um looked at when you're being allocated your marks now in my own my own experience with this i moved before christmas and like you know how much of a hard time i was having with everything um just with a a lot of bunch deadlines um around the time that i was supposed to be moving um and just with everything else i really did not have time to give my all to university um so i reached out um to my head or my head of core or my head or the module convener and asked if I could apply for exceptional circumstances. Now he told me that moving house wasn't an exceptional circumstance because um, you know that can be planned for in advance. Um, but I could try and apply anyway uh, because of stress. Um, and I just did not want to because there was no point in me putting myself through all of these stresses in the final week where I was supposed to be moving house, trying to finish uh, three assignments within the space of a week. Um, so what is it you want to change about that? It just it, it it's inaccessible in its current form um it really is and it really um it doesn't work for for students with mental health issues it, it just like there's no there's no system for how it, it works and how it affects them 
Um, so it really needs a massive overhaul in terms of how it's implemented, how we acknowledge exceptional circumstances and what's considered an exceptional circumstance. Now, moving house I get because that can be planned for, but there are extenuating circumstances in everyone's life that can basically affect this. So um, what you're looking at as a more compassionate system for how we look at students, I think the current system really treats students as 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 customers of a business and this is probably prevalent throughout my entire manifesto is that i feel like students are customers of this university um and they're not being treated with compassion or care um like students should be and we kind of treat students as like this number um and for russell group universities in particular it's all about you know um how many first how many two ones can we get through that door um, but we don't really give much care and consideration for what's going on behind the scenes with a lot of students. Um, so it's about overhauling the system, making sure that exceptional circumstances are available for all students, no matter what the circumstance is, and making sure that we're treating them with care and compassion like they they deserve. No, that's, I mean, that's good. It kind of touches on a couple of points that you can sort of see a theme develop throughout your manifesto. And I think, you know, to move on to the second point, you can really see that, um, become apparent um, you talked about making postgraduate education accessible for all mm-hmm. um do you find that the experience you know as you said at the beginning your manifesto has been informed by your experiences what have you found inaccessible for postgraduates um at queens all of it <laughs> like like not to not to be like rude or anything but like all of it is uh, like the experience that i've had as an undergrad at queens to then move on to postgraduate education here at Queen's is just drastically different mm-hmm. um, in, all, in all areas. Um, you know, I, um, well, in terms of making it accessible, right, there's two ways you can do this, and it's both academically and financially. Um, and if we're informing it in terms of, like, mental health, um, you know, the Omni survey came out, like, last week, and that stated that, um, you know, among the top two pressures that students are facing it's academic pressures and financial pressures um and if we eliminate those barriers we can make sure that the education is accessible right um postgraduate education in particular isn't accessible because it costs too much right um first of all the tuition fees are are drastically different um there's no current cap on tuition fees nowhere in the uk has a cap on tuition fees so postgraduate tuition fees rise with inflation which is ridiculous. We have no control over that. Um, and the current loan is not increasing with inflation. So you're looking at um, the current the current price I'm paying for a degree. And it's different for other people in different courses. But the current price I'm paying is 5,900. And the current tuition loan covers 5,500. Now, it's it's turning around to people and saying, well, if you can't, ha- if you don't have the extra 400 pound, this education blocked off to you. You can't, you can't access it. Um, and you're asking students to then turn around, work longer hours in their job or take on another job um, or asking, and especially with postgrad students, you're asking them to turn around, go to the bank and get an, ex- uh, an external loan, um, which causes more financial pressures, um, more pressures on getting a job, spending more hours doing, <laughs> doing your job than you are doing your degree. Um, so that's one way it's financially inaccessible. And then academically and inaccessible is just, you know, you're kind of open it up that the current academic year restructure isn't working. Um, Queen's overhauled this in 2017 when I was on SU Council 
um and i voted against it at every stage um at this the current the i'm trying to say is the current academic year structure is not working mm-hmm. um it severely disadvantages uh, postgraduate students by having their deadlines all within a week of each other and then having no time off and then jumping straight into semester two and i understand that's how postgraduates like master's year are supposed to work but it does not work um for students dealing with mental health issues it just really doesn't so um you're talking about making sure that the academic year restructure that is currently happening um that has been secured this year by the vp uh, the current vp education officer um is taking into consideration um the needs and the demands of postgraduate students who are not currently um dealt with very good um i noticed you talked about um the postgrad building and like physically physically accessible mm-hmm. um could you talk touch a wee bit more on that like, i yeah. see you're talking about like you know difficulties uh, you know you've talked about modernizing campus life and moving beyond like simply just like the nine to five life because postgrads don't work like that as you say people are working full-time part-time jobs so what is it you want to change about campus life mm-hmm. um so a lot of uh, like I, I don't think people realize and i certainly didn't until this year when i started that postgraduate students are the most diverse range of students on campus um it in, it encapsulates mature students encapsulates um part-timers and encapsulates mature or stu- er, not uh, parents and carers it, it, it like it's a lot of students um and you know the current system nine to five is okay for undergrads who live here um but for postgraduates who are coming in two three days a week um those who are doing part-time um nine to five just simply doesn't work around their schedule um and especially we see that with the graduate school um and it's open in ours um and, and even the social spaces in um ahss and other ones i don't, I don't i'm not really aware of um but I'm, I'm sure they exist within the david care building the nbc stuff like that um so it's about making sure that these spaces are open and they're available to all students no matter what time if students need to go and study in the middle of the night because they're just finished their shift and it's the only time that they can go and study the the building is there and it's accessible to do so um if you know i i felt like this this break in particular christmas um the academic calendar and the opening hours really suited undergraduates and it did not take into consideration the needs of postgraduate students which are making sure that the buildings that they ha- they need are open, which is the library <laughs> and the graduate school. And that's to ensure that postgraduates are getting the most out of their education as they possibly can. No, that's great. Um, I just I want to move on to one of your f- sort of um, your final points that you, you made in your manifesto. Um, mm. You want to talk about reforming supervision um, and, and guidance for PhD students. Um, tell us a bit more about that. And I, know, I know you sort of tagged in a little bit about increasing postgraduate visibility and engagement. Um, give us like a final word on what you sort of think um the important aspects of those points are and how you think you'll go about achieving those yeah um so if we're looking at reforming supervision for phd students now i have i've stated that i'm not a phd student but talking to phd students um throughout the year um has you know these reoccurring issues keep coming up about supervision you know there isn't a consistent way of supervision across all disciplines um, and I know that you know the two postgraduate officers that I've ran before have committed themselves to making sure that supervision is, you know, consistent across all disciplines. But um, it still is an issue, and it still needs to be addressed. 
Um, so you're making sure that you're catering to all PhD students and making sure that they're getting the best out of the education and the supervision relationship that they need. Um, yeah, in terms of PhD students as well, um, one thing that has come up on the camp uh, on the campaign trail in particular, and this kind of feeds back into like making it accessible, is um, the pay for PhD students um, which is not something I ever realised because you don't know until you're in the situations um, is that some PhD students who act as TAs are paid on a semesterly basis rather than monthly um, think about getting your paycheck every three months that is just not feasible um, so the university is treating these students who are there to get an education um, as just like they're treating them as if they're nothing you know they feel like they're expendable in some way because you know because they are students they don't need to be paid the same as everyone else like imagine the vice or the vice chancellor was getting paid every three months like that just would never happen um so you're talking about making P or making sure that phd students are getting access to the education they deserve um, and that they need and making sure that the supervision that they're getting is top class because if you're you know PhDs are obviously very stressful and you need a lot of guidance through them but making sure that um, the calendar and their deadlines is fully or get fully given to them before they even start the PhD so they know what deadlines are coming up if they know where their next paycheck is coming from and they know that they can rely on their supervisor, that will ensure that um, education is better for PhD students, I guess. No, that, that's a good set of, um, a good set of points you've, you've made in your manifesto. And look, um, I know we've come to the end of our, our, um, our interview, but um, you know, if students want to see more and read, read your manifesto, where can they go soon? Yeah, so that's just like a snippet of what I've written. Um, they can go to my Facebook page. It's, um, oh my God, what is it? I think it's um, vote number, Jess, I think it's vote Jess number one and it really should be vote Jessica because that's what should be on on qbsu.org. Um, but um, I'm available on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jess four, not the number four, but like the F -O -E word four. Um, Jess F-O-R-P-G. So Jess for PG, um, you can contact me on there and I'm more than happy to answer any questions because like this whole experience for me has just been about learning um, and like what started off, off as me wanting justice pretty much um, for the education that I've received this year has, um, you know, other people telling me about their issues, telling me about the issues that are really affecting them has really launched this campaign forward and has inspired me so much to really just get in there and do as be a good of a job as I possibly can. Um, so I'm more than happy to answer any questions or I'm more than happy to take into consideration anyone's stories or um, their experiences at the Queen's because ultimately the job that I want is informed by the students and I, I, ca I can't do this without you know, having the student support and having um, their experiences and making sure that we can just tell Queen's to no, um, it's it's just about making sure that postgraduate. I think postgraduates deserve so much better than what they're getting. Mm. I really do, and if I I would love to be the person that could just overhaul this whole thing because I really do feel like I have the drive and I have the motivation to do it. Um, and I would just really love to do it. So yeah, you're more than welcome to check out all of my social medias: um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram.
Brilliant. Well, you've heard you've heard her pitch. So on the twenty fourth <laughs> and twenty fifth, um, feel free to cast your vote. Um, I, I know we'll be having the rest of the candidates on for the full time paid officer positions over the course of the campaign period. So be sure to tune in and uh, and hear their pitches um, for your vote. But uh, no matter what you do, make sure you get out and vote on the twenty fourth and twenty fifth of February. Um, and yeah make sure your voice is heard um, Jess thanks for coming along and thanks, um, yeah it was great to hear your uh, your manifesto pitch and good luck to you thanks Michael good luck to you and uh, yeah thanks for joining us and we'll we'll uh, speak to you soon thanks for listening to this episode of Queen's Radio's coverage of the Queen's Student Union Elections 2020 if you want to follow us on Facebook and Twitter we're at QR The Scoop um, and we're also on Instagram as at QR the Scoop. And you can also um, follow us on Spotify where you can pick up every single one of our episodes as well as Apple Podcasts. <laughs>